Can you see me okay? Yes, I can see you. And now I'm just getting my camera set up. Just one minute. Fab, no worries. Cool room. Thank you. And I, I dressed for the occasion as well. <laughs> oh, I love that shirt. That shirt's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Redcast, the show all about exploring the world of entertainment and the many forms it takes. I am your host, Troy, also known as Red Archer Live, and in today's episode, I have got an interview with Hannah Tell, the voice behind the iconic Max Caulfield from Life is Strange, someone that was very, very high on my list of guests that I wanted to bring onto the show, and I'm very, very glad to finally be able to bring this interview to you all. It's been a long time cooking, and I'm so, so happy to finally be able to share it with you. We talk about how she got into the acting industry, how she landed the role of Max, how that evolved over over time with each of the episodes of Life is Strange, but as well as reflecting on her time with Life is Strange in the years since the game released, we also talk about her music career, which is something that started in more recent years, with her currently working on her third studio album. So we're going to be talking all about her music as well in this episode. And speaking of, there's a very special giveaway for this episode of the Redcast before we get into the interview. Hannah has five CDs left of her original debut album, Hollow Glow, that she is going to send out to people listening to this podcast. All you've got to do is donate at least $10 to the Humane Society. There is a link on the YouTube version of this podcast if you want to go and check it out but if you donate ten dollars or more to that charity and you send an email to hannah that's hannah.r.tell at gmail.com all you have to do is send her proof of that donation and she will send you a cd out one of the last cds she's got of her first album and if you want it personalized and signed to you she will do that as well so if you're interested in getting one of those final cds then please feel free to go and do so but either way that's enough talking for me i'm going to leave you to enjoy the episode and i really do hope you like it as much as i have not only arranging it and recording it but also listening back and editing it back it's been a really good time and i hope that comes across but either way enjoy the episode so welcome to the show hannah i've got to say it's an absolute blast to have you here and i've I've got to open first off by apologizing because i don't know how annoying it might have been to have me badgering you for the last year or so to get us to get this sorted because i know you've been really busy but i was so excited to try and get you on for this so i'm really grateful that you've come on well thank you so much for being persistent with me i just had to finish school and now now I'm able to kind of do some more fun stuff and be a normal person. <laughs> I'm glad persistent is the word you chose and not annoying. So that's already a win for me. <laughs> well, not annoying at all. Definitely not. Good. I appreciate you <laughs> the show. Where are you again? So I'm just outside of Liverpool in England. Cool. Yeah. Quite, quite far away. So far away that I don't quite know how to work out time zones, apparently. But... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, no, we set a recording for, I thought it was eight o'clock my time. And then you messaged me at seven and we're like, we'd be good to go. And I was like, oh, oh, have I, have I got this wrong? <laughs> and I love the backdrop, by the way. The guitars look brilliant. Thank you. So first question I've got for you is, because I want to spend some time with both the acting and the music. I think they both deserve quite a good bit of discussion, but we'll start off with the acting. Um, I want to know first off, what got you into that industry? You know, why did you want to be an, an actress or did it happen by accident? What started you off there? Um, I have wanted to be an actress since I was seven. And uh, I did my first play when I was seven and I just felt really free on stage and I guess like powerful in a way that I I, I didn't feel in, in real life or if I didn't feel comfortable acting that way in real life. Um, and uh, I just have always pursued it. Um, I wanted to pursue it professionally at a young age, but my parents weren't able to help me make that happen. We lived in a small town, so I just did theater and um, I went to art school um, and then and I did study th- acting in college and um, just started auditioning and getting whatever I could. Wow, so it really has been a dream since the very beginning. That's brill. 
Because you always yeah. wonder sometimes, you get so many different stories from people. You get these people who say, I wanted to be an actor since I was a little kid. Then you say, you get some people who go, I just kind of took a job and it all went on from there. You know what I mean? It's so interesting getting to know like the different backstories I feel like with with some people. So that is that is brilliant. So from there then, let's let's focus on one thing in particular. I've got to spend a bit of time on Life is Strange. I think you saw that coming. I mean, the way I'm dressed should say enough, I feel I like. Love, I love the show. It's I went so through my wardrobe and was like, there's got to be something I can pick out here. There's got to be something I can wear. And I remember I had this, this Mac shirt and went... That's perfect. That'll do us I've perfectly. I've never seen Brilliant. that Mac shirt before, but it's so rad. Haven't you yet? I've got so many Life is Strange shirts. You don't, you don't understand. I've got too many. <laughs> Where did you get them? Um, Forbidden Planet. I don't know whether you have, you guys have them in America. I think you might do. Forbidden Planet. Okay. Yeah. They, they had an online store and they basically they went through a phase where every couple of weeks they put up a new design they, they'd sell they, I think they must have got some kind of deal with Life is Strange because they were doing the comics and t-shirts and all sorts of stuff so every time they put up something new I was like right buying that buying that it's just it became an addiction so <laughs> just got this wardrobe full of Life is Strange shirts now and I love it but it's it's oh, cool. yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of them honestly um so I've got to start by asking you how did you get the role of Max how did all of that come about that came about through me submitting myself for acting roles on an online um, website called Actors Access. I just uh, was on there every day submitting for roles for many, many years. And uh, I got called in for a Square Enix video game called Murdered Soul Suspect. And uh, it was for a motion capture. And I got I got cast. And um, it was a really amazing job. And that company, that uh, the production company for that game kept calling me back for more games that they were uh, auditioning people for. And one of those games eventually was Life is Strange. And um, I didn't know that was the name of it at the time. It was called Fate, I think, which was kind of eerie and cool. <laughs> yeah, it's called- quite an eerie name, really, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, when I got the part, I was really surprised because I was going through a really hard time in my life, emotionally and personally, and um, I thought that I did, had not done well at the audition, but it turned out that my state of mind was perfect for Max <laughs> at that time <laughs> in my life, and it, it worked out great, and you know the rest. <laughs> yeah, so, so when you auditioned, did you know it was for the lead of the game, or was it just a role for the game that you didn't know much about? I had I didn't I knew it was a big character in the game, but I I did not know that it was like the singular most. You know, I didn't know you would be playing the game as this character. I, I had no perspective on how games worked. Certainly not how like branching dialogue games worked. So I was pretty. I I, I didn't know anything. And I never had a strictly voiceover-only role before. I'd only ever done performance capture, which has elements of voiceover in them. But uh, it's mostly just like after the fact. Motion capture is more similar to on-camera film acting in the sense that you have a shooting schedule with a camera and a crew and a stage. And well, That's interesting then. Because in that case, that, that surprised me almost that you weren't asked to do the walk as well as the talk then, if that's the case. Oh, well, that is because the uh, Square Enix... Uh, well, sorry, not Square Enix. Um, Don't Nod uh, was doing all of that locally in France. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it was quite a small project for them to begin with, wasn't it? It was kind of more like an indie type thing before it got picked up by Square. 
Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's it's amazing, really, the story of how it all came to be. I, I find it really interesting to read about, especially with what they've said about Max, because I know there's been stories that have come out about that where they've said that every publisher they took the game to, they wants to change something about Max, you know, either make her a bit more relatable or more like, you know, even like some say about like sexually attractive or making them a male character to make it more interesting. But like Square Enix were the only people who said, we like it as is we'll publish it. I always thought that was really interesting that everyone tried to change Max apart from them. So what what about Max was it in particular that stood out to you then? Um for me the the main attraction for Max is her uh her journey from having a low um insecure self-esteem and then uh realizing that she has to mature and grow confident um because if she doesn't it's she's going to be part of the problem not part of the solution and she just like has an overwhelming amount of pressure on her and it it prompts her to evolve to rise to meet the occasion of the challenge and i just thought that that was really an awesome story arc and it was very inspiring for me uh as i have struggles with my confidence as well and so her arc was very, very intriguing to me. Okay, yes. Yeah. So it's good, I think, that you can relate to it as, oh, as well a little bit because I think that it shows it reflects your performance. Then if you can really relate to the character, I think it probably helps you, mm-hmm. you actually play that person. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Evolution, though, because that was one thing I, I picked up because one thing I noticed when I played the game for the first time, which is years ago now, it makes me feel old just thinking about it because I played it after it came out, but it was in about 2017, it does okay. not feel like that long ago. It's crazy, like, how much time has passed since the game came out. But one thing I noticed in particular was how the, your performance as Max kind of evolved and Max almost became more confident in herself as the time passed. I picked up on that and I thought that was quite interesting. So, you know, I just kind of thought from your perspective, how do you feel your portrayal of Max evolved across those five episodes, both in the character and how you played her? I feel like it's it started out with her being really hindered by her own um, insecurity. And um, she's obviously a really unique, artistic-minded young woman. And she doesn't fully relate to the other people around her. So she, I think she finds the people around her are, are much more assertive than she is. But however, she's the one that's given this power. And she's the one that is placed at this strategic position to potentially, from a story perspective, to pick fate. And so I feel like... Uh, it's just interesting from a story perspective to pick an underdog, an unlikely, an unlikely hero. I love that. So, anyway, then uh, as the story goes along and she starts learning how to, you know, manage and handle her powers, she begins to realize that she has to, um, I guess, become the most strong and capable and wise and. Um, like sound-minded, like she, she has their decisions she's making have such huge consequences, and she, everything in her life is so extremely high stakes. Um, she just has to kind of conquer her own anxiety, her the inner anxiety that she feels that makes her feel insecure. She has to conquer that and be in control of that in order to not only control her powers but to control herself and to control the situations around her. Um, 
And then uh, as the story progresses, I feel like she starts becoming um, more and more confident about what she's able to do and her the fact that she's been given this um, unique position and it's a privilege as well as a burden, but it could make a huge difference in the world if she handles it correctly. And so I just feel like with that, she became really strong and fierce and um, she found like a way to stand tall that felt good with her um, own like personal modesty. She's not like a, you know, spotlight seeker, but uh, yeah, but she has quiet confidence. And yeah, she's more sure of herself towards the end, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point about her power as well, because she's very hesitant at the beginning to even use it at all. And by the last episode, she's kind of just like, right, then rip up this photo and just see how that completely changes the world. OK, moving on. It's changed this. Let's go and change that again. She does kind of she really beds into how the power works and just rolls with things. And she does become far more self-confident. That is. It's definitely true. It's it's just, it's so interesting because that's what I've said with the way you can relate to the character that not only did Max kind of evolve across the recordings, but you did at the same time kind of in conjunction, both how you yeah. played her as well as how the character developed. I think that's something that was really unique about it. And I suppose that's what's good about a game like Life is Strange where it did release episodically because it gave you that time apart. Like, because I don't know how, how they did the recordings. I'm presuming they did it in chunks the same way the episodes were released. So that obviously gave you more time to kind of bed in with it and see how things panned out. Mm-hmm. We recorded it over the course of uh, 2014 and 2015. Yeah. And when when you recorded, that's another question as well. Did, did you record it with other characters present or was it all solo work in a booth? It was mostly solo because a lot of the lines were in monologue and yeah. then the key scenes that were more narrative in nature, like where, where you didn't have choice, so many choices uh, where it was just like a cinematic narrative, uh, watching two characters go through a, a pre-made scene. Yeah. Those we would record with two people in the booth with a dual mic setup, And that would be great because we could act against each other and, that was uh, really rewarding and exciting. Oh, I can imagine. So so I presume in that case, like for instance with Ashley, with Chloe, you'd had those scenes with her for like key episodes. That must have been really cool to have those like anchoring moments in every episode going from just the lighthouse at the start to the, the final scene of the two of them together at the end. That must have been really hard to record that one in particular at the end as it was all coming yeah. together. Yeah, that's what I wondered because of course, yeah, most of Max's lines are inner monologues. I forget that sometimes that most of what she says is to herself rather than to other people. There is a lot of kind of inner narration for everything you can look at and observe in the world. You, I think I forget that sometimes with just how much there is to record realistically. <laughs> there must be so- How many lines do you think you did? Did, it, did you ever like, did they ever give you a rough estimate of how many you recorded? Yes, they did. And I'm trying to, I think it was like 14,000. Oh my God. I don't know if that's right. Between 10 and 14,000 or something. I, I can't remember what it was, but it's somewhere around there, I think. That is one hell of a main character recording, that is. That is a lot of lines. Oh my God. I loved it. <laughs> oh, I can bet you did. I loved it. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant, honestly. Uh, You mentioned, though, Max being a unique character, and that was one thing that I thought must be quite interesting because you said you'd had, you know, uh, roles in different games leading up to that point. And it it annoys me because you mentioned Murdered Soul Suspect, and I've had that game for ages and not played it, and I really, really need to. I remember seeing you were in the the credits for that, so I will check that out and I'll let you know when I play it. But what was it like 
when the game came out, what was the reception like for Max? How did you find the reception for that character and how it maybe differed from previous roles you'd done? (laughs) Well, I had never dealt with any um, role that I had, that I was doing, making any splash whatsoever. Um, All my roles in the past, my role in Murdered Soul Suspect, you know, people weren't flooding to the message boards to talk about my character or anything. It was really hard to find my character. I think a lot of people, you have to play through the game quite a bit to get to my character's point. So not many people actually even saw that. But um, this was the first job acting I ever had that, that, that it got a reception whatsoever. And it was shocking and uh, amazing and doesn't ever get old. Anytime I get any recognition from the game whatsoever, it's just like, you gotta be kidding me, like, this is nuts. Yeah, Max is a character, you see, it's cosplay for me. There are so many people I've seen of photos of people dressed up as, not just Max, but Chloe as well, but in particular, you see all these people with the Jane Doe shirt, with the hoodie, with the Polaroid camera. It's it, The game's what, what got me to get a Polaroid camera. I, I It properly got me into those, and I, I got... It's quite funny. It was kind of similar to Max herself because I had one of the the chunkier ones where the top would come up and take the picture. And then my mum bought me one for Christmas, which was one of the smaller instant ones that Max gets in episode one. So I'd almost had the same progression as well. I love I love Polaroid cameras, and that's properly what got me into it as well with Max using them. It, it's I, I think it's all, it's so strange how games can have that kind of impact on you and make you want to try new things. And Max was big for that. And yeah, just seeing everyone dressing up and. All the reception it's had, I mean, Life is Strange is one of those those games where you do get characters like that, but I think Max was the first big one because she was the, the lead of the first game and the impact she had was phenomenal. Yeah, it's awesome. I love seeing everyone uh, showing their enthusiasm for the game and uh, I, I love like seeing where they're taking it with the comics and with the sequels and the prequel. Like, I, I just I love that they're building it into a whole world and I, I can't wait to see how they continue to do that. Oh, the comics are so good. Have you been reading them at all? I have a bunch of them, copies of them, and I have them displayed around my apartment. Oh, <laughs> but, that's so cool. But I haven't gotten a chance to read any any of them yet. I I have a lot I'm trying to I'm trying to do too many different things at once. So <laughs> Well you're bal- balancing acting and music alone. That's gotta take a lot of time. It does, but I, I love doing both, so I I, I wanna keep doing it this way, but um, but yeah, I hope to get to the comics really soon. Yeah, they're fantastic. They've they've just finished. I think the very last issue is just released in the last week or so. So I'm going to be doing a. I'm going to read through. I've not read the last two of the six volumes because I kind of thought I, I was getting almost a little bit annoyed of reading them in chunks. I wanted to read them in one big go. So once I get the last volume yeah. delivered, I'm going to read through them both and and probably cry because I think they've been really good. They've been they've been so good. It's it's such a good continuation of, of the the story i feel like because that's the thing with life is strange is that every game is almost completely isolated by the prequel you know once that story wraps up they move on to something completely different you know it's it's it varies quite a lot and in that vein i suppose one thing i also want to ask is when you got asked back to do lines for the farewell episode what was that like returning to max because i imagine you probably didn't expect to come back to her i didn't expect to come back to her and i didn't know that they i no one got in touch with me to ask me about it. I found out about it online that Max was coming back. Really? I found out on, online on like some website like, oh, it was announced at such and such video game uh, event that Life is Strange is going to have a prequel and Max will be making an appearance. 
and I lost control and called my agent and was like, what is going on? Why haven't they talked to me? Oh my God. Oh my God, I can imagine though. Like, what? (laughs) What did I next? And I, I was losing it. And he was like, don't worry, it's okay. I'll call them, we'll figure it out. And so he called and uh, got in touch with them and it was like a long drawn out thing. And I was really paranoid the whole time about uh, somebody else playing her or me not get, just me not getting to do it. But it all worked out okay and they ended up hiring me and it was all good. But uh, yeah, I, I, I might be a little too attached to the role of Max. Um, I know they're going to make a movie eventually or a TV show or something, like a live action something. I'm sure they're going to do that in the future. The story is just too rich not to. And uh, and somebody's going to, somebody else is going to be Max. So I'm going to take your baby away from you. It's not, but to be fair, I, I kind of get it because like you said, if it's a role that's so personal to you and you kind of learn so much yourself as well while playing it and related so much to the character then it probably would feel really jarring to hear someone else pick up the role i can get that i can't believe you didn't know before the announcement that's what's really getting me i would have thought they'd have like even just given you a nudge and gone just so you know we're going to announce this more on that later i i'm so surprised you didn't even know no that's just how it is for actors like we, we it, the business is so impersonal yeah um, they are not thinking about my career ever at all. They're thinking about their own careers and like getting their game off the floor and like making this big announcement. And, you know, casting is often the very last thing that people not. I mean, I don't know for, for, for all productions, but you, I was, I just, I've always found it surprising that sometimes they'll cast things just really close to when they start and it just seems like a last minute thing but yeah i don't know i just uh i I was glad it all worked out (laughs) yeah i'm glad too i am really glad (laughs) oh no because yeah that's what you said about the live action thing they announced a live action tv series so long ago in fact i'm pretty sure they announced it just after i finished playing the game so it was quite cool for me when i just finished and they were like we're making this but i don't i don't know if there's been any news recently but i know that it's it's switched hands between networks a few times and I, I don't know. I think the most recent news, was, I think Hulu picked it up. I can't remember for sure. And they have picked someone up to, to write and produce it, but I've not heard anything since. So I'm hoping that means it's, it's coming at some point. Cause like you said, it's, it's too rich of a story not to. And you know, it was very much, even the developers have said they designed it to be a bit like a TV series. So it would translate to that perfectly. So it would be really interesting, but yeah, it's, it's gotta be, it will be strange if they do to see someone else play Max, unless they ask you to do it, like to actually play well, Max. Like, and... like a plastic surgery and become her permanently. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to look away. exactly like them. You could just look similar. I mean, if you dyes your hair, you might just about, it might work. You don't know. <laughs> hey. I mean, you know, they've got, um, what, what's, I can't remember her name for the last of us one they're doing at the minute. But I know Pedro Pascal looks quite a bit like Joel. I can't remember the name of the girl who's playing Ellie, but she doesn't look identical. But they've just picked someone who they could do the role. They could pick you. You've got the experience. You don't know. You don't know. It would be cool. It would be cool, to be fair. Maybe like the ultimate dream. Imagine. That would be fantastic. But yeah, even even if not, you can still be like, you know, I'm responsible for her. I'm, I'm, you know, my betrayal. That's what made it. Yeah, I'm part of the reason she's so good. You take the credit for her at least a little bit, you know, you know, you might not have made the character, but you did voice her and that's a pretty big chunk of it, you know, especially with how many lines you just said there were. I mean, blimey. How big chunks did you do recording at any one time? 
Well, it wasn't so bad because we would only um it was a it's a un it was a union production, so uh that means that there were strict regulations and rules for how long they could keep me in the booth. So okay. every time I would go in, it would just be for a four-hour session with a five-minute break every hour, which was important because I have to pee constantly because I'm drinking a lot of water to keep my throat <laughs> yeah. from getting wet. Um, and uh, when we were recording during those four hours uh, a day, we would have to go really fast to try to get all of the the lines in that they had projected for that session or that they hoped, you know, because if, if, if we don't get it done, then they have to pay everybody to come back and do another session. So it was just very hectic, but also really fun and super high pressure, but ex- like very invigorating and exciting and uh, was great. I can imagine. No, because I've heard stories before with with some actors, and they say they have these big long sessions, and it's funny because I I know a few people in the I don't know if you've heard of Payday Two. I've kind of got a, I've spoken to a few people from that game, and the thing with them is they have to do loads of lines where they're screaming, and they've said they've had sometimes four hour sessions like like yourself, but they've found that after about two hours they've got no voice left because they're screaming for like two hours like straight. So they ended up having to change how the the period of time worked with them as well because it was just too much pressure. But yeah, like mm-hmm. after that much, because I know I've done streams before where I've I've done like games where there's a lot of reading and after four or five hours, my throat's just gone and I'm not doing it like an actor. I'm just reading them out and taking breaks as well. It it take it takes you away. It takes your breath away, I feel like. Yes. And not only does it take your breath away, but like after I would go in for those four hours of work, everybody was like, oh, you're so lucky. You only have to work for four hours a day. I was like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. After, after I finished those four hours, I very numbly walk to my car like I'm in a daze, get in the car, shut the door, burst into tears, drive my, get myself home, go straight to bed, sleep the rest of the day because it's exhausting to, to act at that level for four hours on your feet in that high of pressure of a situation where you have all these people staring at you and and then you have all these people on a Zoom call listening, bringing in their point of view and perspective. Everyone's criticizing every single nuance of your voice, like listening to every last noise that your mouth makes, like can't make any mouth noises. It, It would just wear me out. I would be exhausted. Yeah, the amount of stress in those four hours more than makes up for like a, an eight or nine hour shift, I feel like. That and then some. <laughs> oh, no, no. Cause I, yeah, even what I was saying about mouth noises, yeah, I pick up on those when I'm editing like podcasts and stuff and I hear people doing like lip smacking and I'm like, got to edit that out. And I can I can see how much effort goes into these things. It is, it's crazy the amount that goes into making it as perfect as possible. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was, it was, I think it was so good to see Max come back for farewell, like we said, because it was unexpected. I don't think anyone kind of predicted that was the way it was going to go. Um, did you find it hard at all picking the role back up again, or did you just kind of sink into it like no time had passed? Um, yeah, I found it hard. Um, mm. I thought it was going to be simple and no big deal, but um, I had changed a lot as a person um, since we had recorded the first game. And I was also going through like a very chaotic time in my life where I didn't have like any civility. And so I came in to record and I, I, I don't, uh, 
I did my best, but I don't know if they were happy with it. Um, and it, it took some time for us to kind of like figure out young Max and yeah. uh, get that going. But yeah, I'm glad, I think it worked well. And we, we made, we got through it and, uh, it, it was a, a good addition to the series. It really was. I mean, if it can make you feel better, I'll tell you that I didn't notice any difference. Obviously, for age, there was a difference in the voice, but it, it sounded the same to me. And I, in some ways, I kind of feel like Farewell is one of the best parts of the entire game because it's it's one of those, or like the series, it's one of those things where you didn't think you needed it and then you play it and it fits in so perfectly. Because I know when they marked it, they pushed it as, you know, this is the last day Max is having with Chloe. But I don't think anyone, or maybe people did and I just didn't, I don't think anyone quite clocked that it would end with Joyce coming in to say that Chloe's dad had died. And as soon as that, that whole thing, the way that absolutely destroyed me. I have cried at games before. I will make no, like, burden of it. I will cry at anything if I'm connected to the characters or anything. Like, I've stayed up. I've cried at 3 a.m. in the morning at the end of, like, Mass Effect 3 because I've been, like, I'm, like, I've been playing this for two weeks and everyone's dying. Spoilers, but, well, in my playthrough anyway. But with, with, um... With that farewell, just it was scene after scene. As soon as the door opens, you know what's coming. And then it's everything being reduced to no volume and just the music. And then it's maxing the car as it's driving. Not everything about that was just, it's perfectly crafted, but it's done to upset you. And it does it very well. <laughs> have you played through all of the games yourself or have you watched the other people's playthroughs of them? Mm-hmm. I've um, played through uh, all of the uh, original Life is Strange five episodes and then... Mm. Uh, I've played through the farewell episode, and then I've seen playthrough clips of uh, Before the Storm, and I haven't really seen anything about Life is Strange 2 or Life is Strange 3, but I really like the uh, premises, and it sounds really awesome. I just haven't had time to to delve into those worlds. I also don't have a console, so I'm just a little cut off from that. But I know that the stories are really amazing and awesome because my co-star Day, uh, who plays Kate, Day and Hutton, who plays uh, Kate Marsh, she's a Twitch streamer and she plays all the Life is Strange games. And it seems like there's a lot of uh, really cool stuff to unpack there. Mm. I think True Colors in particular, that one's really stood out to me. And I think part of the reason is because it seems very similar to the first game and its structure in the way that it's based everything. I think Life is Strange 1 kind of set like an, a like a base plate, an archetype for how it should be. And I think True Colors properly rammed home. And when you saw that and you compare the two, you're kind of like, you know what? There's a lot of similarities here in the, the way they've done the characters and things. Not in a bad sense, obviously, but it's, it's a fantastic game. But you can notice that they've looked at Life is Strange 1 and gone, you know what? There's some elements here we should incorporate. And it, it worked really well. Um, so I do want to move on to your music, but I've got one more question, which I have to ask, and I feel like I know the answer, so I probably don't need to ask it. But if at any point, obviously Life is Strange games are, like I said, very isolated. They kind of move on from one story to the next. If you were ever asked again to come back as Max, would you say yes? I feel like I don't need to ask this question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I don't need to. <laughs> But but I'll ask it for the sake of it, but I knew I knew it would be a yes right from the beginning, just from the discussion. I think it'd be cool to see Max come back, but I, I do think what we've got has been fantastic. I think we've got some really good stories there that, you know, have kind of become a cult classic. The first game in particular, really, like, especially retroactively, I don't know how big it was at launch, like I said, because I wasn't really there for the launch of it, but especially retroactively, the amount of people that you see, and even, like, you still see cosplayers now and I go to conventions and stuff, you look around people dressed up as Max or Chloe or anything, it's, it's the impact it's had is brilliant. I absolutely love it. I think it's phenomenal. Wow, yeah, me too. I agree. So let's let's switch over, because like I said, I want to put a bit of time onto the acting, a bit onto the music, because that's what's so 
so kind of cool is that you've got both of these things and it, it, it's, it provides a really cool interview because then you've got like two really different bases to cover, honestly. Um, so let's start off first, kind of similar to the acting. What is it about music? What, what got you into music? Was that from a young age as well? Or was that something that's kind of come more with time? Um, <clears throat> I've always been really enamored with listening to music as a child and it, music always had a really profound effect on me. I never in a million years imagined that I possessed the ability to play my own music. Um, I took the closest that I ever came was taking um, a guitar. I took a couple guitar lessons when I was 16 and um, it was, I really loved it. And I, I never tried singing along with playing or anything. I just learned to play like a really rudimentary form of Blackbird by the Beatles. I uh, just like kept being obsessed with music. And all through high school, I went to concerts every second that I had a chance. You know, I would be like driving three and four hours to go to shows. And uh, it's like a huge part of my life is like being a fan of music. Um, and then I had to audition for this role of a girl who's the lead singer and guitar player of a pop punk band in this film that I okay. did years ago. Yeah. And so I learned to play this, uh, this like kind of like a punk rock, indie punk rock song on guitar, on electric guitar. And uh, I loved it. And I also had to play, oh, wow. a little, play a little keyboard for the movie. And I loved that, too. And uh, after that, I just kept playing guitar and I was like going through a weird time where I I was like kind of spending a lot of time by myself in my room. And I just started singing along to playing along to myself. I don't even know how it happened. It just like like magic. Yeah. I just started singing and playing at the same time and writing my own songs and um, it just, just started, it just like became this really therapeutic thing that I would do for myself. Um, and, uh, it's still, it still is. And I don't ever want it to be a job, uh, or uh, something that I try to make money from. Um, it's just, uh, something that I do for the pure joy of doing it. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Cause that's, I wasn't sure. Obviously that's, it's, you know, with the, having the two careers at the same time, almost it is kind of interesting to know how you see both of them. But God, I've got so many questions to break down from that alone. That's brilliant. Um, first off, what was the film? So I know, so I can look that up. I don't even know if it's. A, I don't think it's available to be. Um, it was done before films started getting put out on streaming services. Right. So it was okay. In a couple film festivals, uh, it was called Two Pints Lighter. It's a okay. vampire movie, actually. Oof, okay. I'm going to do a very quick Google while we're talking and just see if it's anywhere, because I'm going to note that down uh, if it is. 2014 uh, drama comedy. I'm seeing trailers. Oh, there's a trailer? Or, yeah, the Two Pints Later, the Paramount teaser on Vimeo. That can't um, be. It's, it's, it. it is. It's got the cast, and there you are. You're the fifth result, Hannah Tellers Lucy. So, uh, if, exactly. it, yeah, there you go. So, the, so, so it's here. I'm not sure if there's anywhere. Can you buy it or stream it? Let's just see. If I look at shopping, I'm not seeing any actual release for it. But it's, it's clearly something out there. 
So I'm going to have to do some proper digging and see if I can find anything. It might be someone's uploaded the film somewhere and you can watch it. Ah, I have a copy of it on a CD somewhere. I kind of want to <gasps> upload it. I thought it was a good film. And that's just what's so frustrating about um, independent films. Sometimes you'll make a project and then it won't ever get finished. Yeah. Or like it'll get released. or and it, I mean, I'm sure it's really hard to make that happen and everything. But yeah, like, I, I watched that movie. I thought it was a really cool, cute film and um i think other people would like it too so maybe we can dig it up somewhere if, if you have more than one copy and you want to send it to anybody i'm right here okay i will watch <laughs> you'll will you uh, you'll, you'll upload it to the internet <laughs> well and, and if you tell me not to i won't do it mum's the word but you know just between you us no, no one else is listening right now so if you want to send it my way <laughs> Oh, oh no, I that's I don't know how to put stuff on the internet really, so uh, if you've got more than one disc, just mail one to me and then no one will ever know. No one will find it. Cool. So that that's brilliant that it kind of happened by accident. That you know, because of picking up that role, that's what that's what got you into it. Um and you said it was more of like an like an indie like punk type sound. Um if it's not too difficult of a question, for those of you have for those people who haven't listened to your music, how would you kind of describe the genre of it to someone who's new to it? Well, it's um it's taking its own little journey. I would say that it started out with my first record, Hollow Glow, being more of an acoustic-driven indie folk rock sound, like a dreamy kind of quality to it, of, of course. But uh, very much like singer-songwriter, lots of lyrics about heartache and love and stuff like that. But then my second record is a little different. And it's um, like a more full production, uh, larger sound. Um, and it's a little bit more psychedelic and uh, dreamy. Like took, took the dreamy quality and ran with it of the first album. And um, my, my, I'm now working on my third album. And uh, it's also still kind of dreamy rock and roll. Um, but yeah, I just love, I love to make music. <laughs> I can tell it's good. No. Um, cause I remember, I can't remember how I first came across the music. I think I saw that you'd done a cover of obstacles, which was yeah. one of the songs in life is strange that, uh, Sid Mattis did. And, and it caught me and I kind of thought, wow, okay, she's doing, she's done music. And I had a little dig around and I found it was, I think it was your band camp listing. Cause I was, I was shown to you, I don't know how much I'm going to put in the intro at the start, but, um, I've got the, the CD of hollow glow. Cause you were doing signed copies of it on Bandcamp at the time. I think it was one of the last ones, if I remember rightly. There was only a few <laughs> signed ones left. And I grabbed one and gave it a listen once it got over, and I really, really loved it. I thought it was a fantastic album, and I'm not just saying that here because you're on the call. I really enjoyed it, just that even, like, like Hollow Glow in particular, the title track, I think, is is absolutely beautiful. I really, really like that song. Um, Thank you so much. It, and it is, it was, it's so weird, because it's like, you know, it's obviously it's someone when you're used to a person a certain way is, oh, this is, you know, this is Max Caulfield. Then you're hearing that person do something completely different. It, it's so odd, but it, it it was really, really cool. I think it was really good. Um, so you're saying about how the music had changed a little bit across the albums. Is there any particular reason that you feel like it's evolved in that way? Or has it just kind of been the way, the direction it's gone as you've been writing it? Uh, there's a few reasons. Um, I just... Uh, became really interested in world music and a lot of world music that I like has a psychedelic twist to it and I also became really obsessed with music from the 60s and 70s that just kind of puts you in a place where you feel not as though you've done drugs but it's just like a, <laughs> a, a different <laughs> music, music that is so powerful that it kind of washes over you and 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 has a really strong effect and kind of takes you to a different place 
transformative, transcendent kind of music. And so that's what I was listening to. And I just kind of wanted to go in that direction instead of the more um, borderline Americana singer songwriter indie folk route. That felt right for me at that time in my um, musical journey. But um, I started writing my own like guitar solos and, uh, you know, working with electric guitar to write. And that kind of changed a lot of my style too. So also I switched producers, um, you know, producers get busy and have to do other things. So I had to find a new producer and um, this was uh, the person I went with was really aligned with the neo psychedelic kind of sound. Ah, so. okay. So that helps nudge you in that direction as well a little bit, I suppose. Yeah. But I think that's what's really good about, you know, the fact, as you said, you're keeping it as a hobby. It's not going to be a job at any point is that you're not really constrained by what will sell well, what will do well. You're not really, obviously you would like people to listen to it, but like that, that's by the by, but you know, you, it kind of gives you a bit more, I suppose, creative freedom than most people might have because you can go in any direction and not really care if it, you know, goes absolutely mental because you're not trying to make tons of money off it. You're just out there to put out the sound that reflects you. I think that probably makes it a lot more fun to do, I'd imagine, because you're not under that pressure as much. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a really relaxing and uh, rewarding way for me to like process my feelings. And I feel like when I write a song, I'm going through something. And uh, when I release, when I finish the song and release it, it's like I'm releasing that experience that was building within me to make the song and um it's really healing process for me so i i I don't i don't want to i don't have a label or anything like that putting pressure on me i just i pay for everything myself and um it's just something i do as therapy basically (laughs) (laughs) nice free way of therapy you know (laughs) no not free i was gonna say when i said that i thought hang on it's not really free because there's a lot of costs involved in just doing the the music let alone the physical releases and stuff yeah i'm in quite a bit of debt from uh from from making music but it's okay i don't care i'm good i'm just gonna you know it's worth it to me to get to create something that's lasting that some people really like the music so I, i like the music and i'm making it for me so that's all i really it's just very expensive uh therapy (laughs) i can imagine yeah even just like getting physical versions out because that was one thing i was going to ask was have you ever done any vinyl releases for any of the albums so i've missed them i've got properly into collecting them recently but i haven't i haven't got any of yours on vinyl all i have on vinyl is my second record walking away from the dream right gotcha i'm gonna get hollow glow on vinyl too i just haven't had a chance and it's during the pandemic, it's been really hard to get vinyl made. Yeah, I can imagine. It's impacted everything, really, as, as everyone's used to now for the last two plus years. Oh, it's been a wild old time, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. No end in sight. Well, if you, yeah, whenever you do, I'll, I'll look up the vinyl for Walking Away From The Dream. Whenever you do the Hollow Glow one, let me know, because I want in. I'm investing. I want it. <laughs> I've probably got in on collecting vinyl, honestly. I've got like, I bought a case thinking it'd be enough to house the ones I've got. And I've already got about six or seven vinyls propped up over here that there aren't space for in the case. It's becoming a problem, but. They're so just fun to it. collect. They really are. There's something really nice about it. I mean, I, I, I liked getting, I don't get them as much, but I was really a big fan of, uh, inherently, as you can tell, CDs. I liked having those. I just liked having something physical. Because all I really use is Spotify. I'm like most people at this point where you stream the music, but I like having the physical music. It's nice to have something. And I also think it's better to support the artist that way. Because from everything I've read, you don't really get much out of people who streaming music. It's not really 
super lucrative, which really sucks. So I'm thinking, you know, I get something physical, you support on the arts, and it's just cool to have like a collection to kind of visualize what you like. And vinyl just kind of, I just bought one vinyl and I bought another and it went on from there. Nice. <laughs> it's, it is, it's fantastic. It, it, I, I love collecting it. But there is one thing with music that I, that I want to ask you about um, that I don't, unless you have done and I'm completely, completely missing the news here, but have you ever gone on tour with any of your music? I have not. That's definitely something that I've always wanted to do. Um, I don't know if I personally by myself have the infrastructure to make that happen, but I, if, if any booking agents out there like or tour managers want to help me make it, I really do eventually want to try to make that happen but I haven't been able to yet. Oh, that, w- that would be brilliant. It would be cool. I mean, obviously, like you said, with it being more of a hobby and, you know, it might be a bit harder to kind of to set that up. But if you ever if you ever come to the UK, you'll have one person there. I'll be there. I'll listen and I'll see if I can bring people. <laughs> it would be so cool. I, I, that's It's like you said, though. It, it's very much... I really relate to what you were saying about, you know, loving music and wanting to go to loads of concerts and, thing, and things like that. You really love that. There's not really a lot else to feel out there, like the vibe of being at a live concert and hearing that music. You know, even if it's someone you're not a particularly huge fan of, I know... I went to a concert last night, actually, with my mum. She is a huge fan of uh, Tori Amos. Oh, cool. Yeah, she loves her. I've never been, like, huge on her. I've never really listened to much of her stuff. But with even that aside, just being there, because she has got such a talent. I've never known anyone play two pianos at the same time, and yet she does it effortlessly. She had, like, the stool in the middle and had a piano and, like, a keyboard in the side. She was just like this, just, like, playing both at the same time. I don't know how you could humanly do that. I really don't. But, like, it doesn't matter who it is. It's it's just the atmosphere of being in a place like that, I think, is so cool. Like, I always, any opportunity I get for anyone I like that's going on a tour, I'm I'm there immediately. I think it's fab to just kind of be a part of that that atmosphere, you know? And it's, it's, it's definitely something I missed in the last couple of years, you know? You've mm-hmm. got some of the online things where you've done, like, the like the live concerts and stuff like Moment House and stuff, and they're great and all, but it's it's not the same, is it, you know? But Definitely not the same as being there. No, it's it's such an, an, an atmosphere just being there realistically. Um, so if you ever do, then I'll be there. I want to I experience the music. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be brilliant. I really do. Um, so that is pretty much all the questions I've got for you. Before we wrap up, though, the question I always like to, to end these interviews with is what's next for you? So what's coming next for you, be it for acting or for music? I know obviously you've got the third album coming up, so you can tell us a bit about that, if whatever you can share, obviously. Um, but yeah, so what is next for Hannah Tell? What's coming? Well, <clears throat> I graduated college, and so now I'm going to focus on acting and music for a while and uh, also working on finishing my third record and um, reading all the books on my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, being a cat mom, so uh, no, that's that's fabulous. So I presume you can't tell us anything else about the third album then. Any more details? Is that a bit too early to ask? Um, no, I can tell you. Uh, <gasps> Go it's on then, like, yeah. <laughs> over halfway done. I have a few more songs to finish writing and recording. I work. I'm working with a few different producers on this record, so there's going to be some new sounds. And uh, I haven't really decided if it's going to be a third record or if it's just going to be two EPs. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, but uh, I do have an upcoming single with a new producer um, coming out in the coming months with a video, a music video. And uh, it's called called Mercy Meadow. And uh, it's a little bit of a a new 
sound for me. So I'm I'm really looking forward for everyone to hear it. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm looking forward to seeing seeing and hearing it then. That's fab. That is really, really cool. Um, well, thank you very much. So before I let you go, uh, any social media pages, anything like that where people can keep up to date with you, now's the time to go for it. It's kind of the, the shill section. Whatever you can promote, go for it. Yeah, please. Um, well, you can follow me on Instagram. My name on there is just Hannah Tell. And uh, also on Twitter. I'm not very active on there. Um, but uh, my music is available on Spotify, iTunes. I don't know. Does iTunes exist? Apple Music? I don't know. It's on the... Yeah, same difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's available for digital download. Um, you could also buy vinyl records or CDs at my Bandcamp. And uh, that's pretty... Oh, yeah. Also, I just want to say um, I recently went vegan from being vegetarian for a few years. And it's really changed my life and uh, opened my mind to like the like the true plight of animals. And I uh, so I, all of the sales of my a, a lot of the sales of my um, new song are being donated to animal uh, rescue funds. Oh, that's fantastic! So is this the the current single for Leaf Clover? Or is this yes. Mercy Meadow? Okay, right, yeah, that's brilliant. Well, I'll probably donate some of Mercy Meadow to uh, to so some animal rights group too. <laughs> no, that's brill. That's really cool. That is really cool. That's lovely of you. That's fantastic. Um, well, I'll make sure that on YouTube all the relevant links are in the description. So if you are listening on an audio platform, hop on over to the YouTube section and they'll all be in the description. I'll make sure I get all the links sorted with Hannah so they're all completely accurate. Um, so you can check all of that stuff out in the description. Um, but that about wraps up everything on the interview, Hannah. So. Again, I've got to say thank you so much. I was really, really looking forward to this. And like I said, it's been it's been a long time in the works and I'm glad that we we finally managed to get it get it set up. It's been an absolute blast getting to talk to you. Thank you. It's been really fun for me too, and I really appreciate you sticking with me. I'm sorry it took so long. It's 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 been worth it. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you.